Hey guys, Jeff here from besttechie.com, and this is Techie Bytes episode 12. Today I'm speaking with Matt Hodges, a software engineer who's developed soft technology and software for Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign. We discuss the Facebook and Cambridge Analytica story in detail. Enjoy. I'm here with Matt Hodges, a good friend of mine and also a software engineer and someone who's worked on some pretty interesting technology in the past, including for Hillary Clinton's uh, campaign in 2016. So uh, we're here today to talk about Facebook and Cambridge Analytica. And I know Matt has a lot of uh, opinions and thoughts on the matter. And I thought since it is such a hot topic, we should do an episode on it. Uh, so welcome, Matt. Thanks for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. No, I, uh, you know, we follow each other on Twitter. We've known each other for a long time. And really, you know, we've, we've been talking um, a lot about this whole Facebook Cambridge Analytica thing. And pretty much, you know, I think, you know, we're on similar pages here, but that we agree that, you know, the whole episode that just happened is pretty far out. But before we get to talking about that, I, I was wondering if you can kind of give, you know, give us the backstory a little bit in terms of what, how this, how this happened, like what led up to this point? Um, kind of lay that out, lay the groundwork, if you will. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, so, uh, for people who may not be fully caught up on what's been going on, I, I think it's worth um, kind of just looking at this from a from a step back and talking about um, why what the controversy is and why it's a controversy at all. Um, and so this all kind of starts with this um, data slash technology vendor that worked for the Trump campaign in 2016 called Cambridge Analytica. And there's been a lot of stories about this firm over the past two years. Um, a lot of it's been kind of based off of Cambridge Analytica bragging about their hand in the election. Um, they're certainly not shy to uh, public attention. Um, so what happened was uh, in 2013, there was a researcher named Alexander Kogan who worked for the University of Cambridge um, which pointing out the University of Cambridge and Cambridge Analytica are <laughs> two distinct organizations that do have somewhat of a tight relationship. Um, the name there can, can kind of tip you off on that, but it can be a little confusing since they both have the word Cambridge in them. Um, but Alexander Kogan was a, was a professor and researcher at the University of Cambridge who in 2013 built an application that was basically like a, a personality quiz app. And uh, what that means is it's somewhere along the lines of when you, similar to when you go to like BuzzFeed and you take a quiz and they try to tell you something cute or interesting about yourself. Um, that's not too dissimilar from what Kogan was building, except he was actually trying to uh, give more academic psychological uh, responses to people. And so when you wanted to use this app, you would you download the app and you'd log in with Facebook. A user would consent to do this. They, they would log in with Facebook and this application would hook into your Facebook and try to um, look at your likes and pages you interacted with, but it would also ask you questions. And then at the end, it would kind of spit out this kind of personality profile of you. And it was kind of a fun little thing that... Um, obviously had appeal because about 300,000 people used this app and hooked it into their Facebook. 
Um, which that in and of itself seems relatively benign. Um, right. right. So where this starts getting a little interesting is at the time, again, remember this was 2013 at the time, Facebook's API, um, which is what applications developers use to hook into Facebook data. Um, it was pretty lax on what kind of data, uh, an application could get. And at the time, one of the things that an application could get is all of the, not only the friends list of someone who authenticated, but it could also get a lot of information about all of your friends. For example, it could get all of the likes from all of the friends of the person mm -hmm. who's using the application. And that's where this story kind of gets interesting, is that while um, about 300,000 people used Kogan's app, through this network, through the friend network that he was able to, to acquire, he was able to get data on roughly 50 million Facebook users. Um, and 50 million is significantly more than the people who consented <laughs> to have just their by, data. Just by a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's orders of magnitude larger. <laughs> um, but that in and of itself isn't quite the full story of the scandal. Right. And I want to take a sidestep real quick. So I know that you also, um, a while back, like during when, during uh, Obama's campaigns, you had written an app that basically kind of looked at your data and then kind of told people who they, you know, who they thought, who the app thought they were going to vote for, right? Exactly. Um, so, so, so you're not just, so my point is, he's not just saying this because he read something that he's actually, Matt has actually built apps that, at, uh, you know, prior to the Facebook locking it down where he's actually seen firsthand the types of data that could be collected. That's correct. I mean, so yeah, this isn't just theoretical for me. This is something I actually <laughs> did. Now, before people start uh, coming at me with pitchforks, I, I, <laughs> I, to, to explain the application that I built, this was in 2012, and I built an application that did something extremely similar to what, um, what uh, Cambridge Analytica and Kogan are kind of accused of doing. The difference is, um, and I'll get into how I did not violate Facebook's terms of service. <laughs> um, I, first of all, didn't actually save any of the data that my application used. Um, my application was completely uh, browser side. So when a user used what I built, it happened in their browser, and as soon as they navigated away from the window, all of the data was gone. None of it was ever sent back to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I did that specifically on purpose because when I was building the application, I thought it was kind of creepy. I thought it was kind of weird that Facebook would just let me suck up all this data. And so when I was building it, I didn't feel at all comfortable collecting any of the data that it used. Everything that um, the application I built happened on, in the user's browser, and then once they were done, it was gone. Um, so that was something I, that was a conscious decision I made. Um, and, and to summarize what the app did, it was really, it was a really silly, dumb app where I would look at the likes of all of your friends, and based on pages they liked, I tried to make a really dumb, unscientific guess of who they were going to vote for. Um, so for example, if you're, you were a user that liked Rachel Maddow and Planned Parenthood, <laughs> I assumed you were <laughs> going to vote for Obama. Whereas if you were a user who liked the NRA and Sean Hannity, I assumed you were going to vote for Mitt Romney. Mm -hmm. uh, and so 
that was a really silly kind of stupid app that I made that actually people told me it worked pretty well, which surprised me. Um, but that's kind of the crux of what Cambridge Analytica was try- is right. trying You're, to do. And really, your app is no more silly than what, what Kogan built, you know, a personality quiz app. You know, I, uh, sure. I mean, I, I would guess. I, would, I guess the only difference is I didn't use any uh, strong statistical methods. I just right, kind right. of was winging it. But sure, mm-hmm. it's the same idea. Um, and so that's the point here: is that what Kogan did here wasn't some. He didn't. He didn't hack into Facebook. Um, he used the service as intended and as publicly documented by Facebook. Facebook had pages explaining how an application could do could do this and i did it and kogan did it and uh, i guarantee you there are hundreds of thousands if not millions of facebook apps that at the time were also doing it right so let's fast forward a little bit to 2014 facebook um i guess they realized that something was probably wrong with all these apps having access pretty much unfettered access to millions of users uh on their platforms, all, all their data. So they made uh, changes to their API, right? And um, basically they limited the, the, the types of uh, data that apps could access. So theoretically, had Kogan built his app past these, uh, after these implementations, uh, these API changes, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have been able to gather as much data. Is, am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, that's correct. Um, so Facebook locked this down. Um, they made it so that just because someone authenticated with your application doesn't mean you could also collect all of this data about that person's friends. Um, mm-hmm. It was a big change they made at the time. They also, um, I don't know if people, if application developers talk about this so much now, but at the time it was kind of kind of a, a hassle for app developers because Facebook implemented something similar to what Apple has where they actually have a, an application review process. Um, and so when you when you create a Facebook application, depending on the permissions you're asking for, not all applications need this, but depending on the permissions you're asking for, um, Facebook at the time actually made it so that a human had to give you the thumbs up. Right, um, and I could speak firsthand to that actually because when we, when at Kai, when I was working on Kaya and we developed the Shout app, we actually had to apply for um, uh, certain permissions that, like, I think there was one permission that we wanted from a user that was not a default. I don't, I don't recall the exact one, but we had to apply and give a reason and give reasoning as to why we wanted access to that uh, type of permission, um, and you know we were approved and we didn't have anything shady going on, but. But they did, they did, they did, you know, lock it down quite a bit, um, which is, which is obviously that, that part's good. Right. And so, like, as you said, this happened in, in 2014. Um, and, but by this point, Kogan had acquired a lot of data about a lot of people. Right. And, and there were already also a lot of apps already that were, have been developed by this point. Exactly. So yeah. a lot of this data had already been sucked up and, and was out there. And, you know, when you're doing, um, when you're doing analysis, when you're doing any analysis that uses data, you obviously want the most recent data you can get your hands on. But um, in the terms of the political spectrum, um, you know, having data from 2013 on people versus data in 2016, there's not going to be a lot of differences in that data. Um, someone's not. It's very unlikely that someone is going to go from 
uh, hardline conservative to hardline liberal in three years. Um, mm. I suppose it's possible, but <laughs> but maybe I, a life maybe a life altering event. But aside right, from that, yeah, right. So like, if you're trying to build a um, a political analysis on a person, and you have data as recent as 2013, you're going to get pretty close to where they are in 2016. So mm. while Facebook did implement these changes, um, it was kind of it was kind of uh, it was kind of too late to do anything about it for. Uh, for the companies and organizations that had already acquired the data previously, right? Um, so, so then, so then, in 2015, though, here's the here's the actual here's where the actual issue occurs, right? So, Kogan, the fact that Kogan had built this app and collected all this data is not is not the issue at hand here. He was following Facebook's rules and guidelines, and you know, up until up until this point that we're going to bring up right now, where he apparently shared the data he collected um, from his app with Cambridge Analytica, which, which is against Facebook's developer policies. But, right, right. Right. Um, and then Facebook banned his app, and this was in 2015, and they also demanded that Cambridge Analytica delete any data that they received from Kogan um, from, you know, uh, about users who use the app. Now, at that point, there was an exchange of emails, and this is well documented. They said Cambridge Analytica told Facebook that they had deleted the data. Clearly, they hadn't, uh, so they lied. <laughs> and if you watch the interview with Mark Zuckerberg on CNN, where he talks uh, about, you know, he says, "Well, I don't know about you, but when someone legally certifies that they've done they've done something, I believe that they've done it." Um, now, what happened? After that was that clearly, you know, all this data wasn't deleted and it was then used uh, for essentially profiling people. And uh, Matt can speak probably more to that um, in terms of how, you know, how that data, uh, you know, was used and to target individuals during uh, the 2016 election. So uh, Cambridge, it's worth pointing out that Cambridge Analytica to, still today, as far as I've seen, denies that they kept this data um mm -hmm. is that is that correct i mean the last tweet storm i saw from their official account <laughs> basically was reiterating their point that no they didn't keep the data um where this all kind of came to light though was um a, a former employee named christopher wiley basically came forward and said i i think they did i think they used it right that's mm -hmm. how this kind of all blew right. up it's, he, he gave he gave some interviews and basically said, uh, you know, I worked, I worked on this product, I helped build it, and I'm, I'm pretty sure they didn't delete any of the data. Um, so uh, I think the jury might still be out on who's telling the truth here. I think people are inclined to believe Christopher Wiley because he, um, he's essentially a whistleblower here and is right. put, putting a good amount of risk on himself to come forward and do this. He's violating non-disclosure agreements to, to talk about this. So um, people generally believe, at least in, in, the, in the information bubble that I, I reside in, people are generally believing Christopher Wiley's side of the story more than they are believing Cambridge Analytica's side of the story. Um, but everything you've said is, is correct as far as the, the state of the story as we understand it right now is right. that 
uh, Kogan handed all of this data over, and that that's a violation of Facebook's terms of service, and that's that's a that raises an interesting question of how if a terms of service can be violated so easily, is it even useful? Right. Um, which is which is why I I've brought I've brought up the point um, that I believe that Facebook should sue Cambridge Analytica or and Kogan um, for for uh, you know if to to make a to make a point that if you if you violate our terms of service our um, we're going to come after you, um, and I, I think that's the I think that would be the right thing to do, because uh, again it makes a point. Then again, I would be if I was Facebook's attorneys, which I am not an attorney, but if I were, I would, I would also be considering from Facebook's angle what do they have, um, you know what 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 how could that open them up in some way potentially uh, during discovery or things like that um, to show what maybe they knew something. That, that they're not saying. Um, so I don't know the details of that, but I personally, I, I, you know, if it was me, I, I would, I would want to sue them just to make a point. So I would, I would, I would think that Facebook probably is interested in uh, suing Kogan at a minimum. Um, he was the one that violated right. the terms of service. And this has clearly caused harm to Facebook. I think um, they, they're, they're, you know, they're a very wealthy company. I'm sure they have excellent lawyers, and I bet they could, they could make a pretty strong case that Kogan harmed the company in violating his contractual agreement. Mm -hmm. um, I should also point out, I'm not a lawyer here, so don't, <laughs> I don't, don't. We're we're both not lawyers. Yes, we're not lawyers, so don't listen to us for legal. We just advice. play one on a podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it seems like Kogan at least, you know, I, I would be surprised if they if Facebook doesn't at least go after Kogan in in some sense. Um, now, if Cambridge Analytica also signs some sort of contractual agreement claiming they deleted this data and it turns out that they in fact did not. I would suspect that would also create a uh, cause for Facebook to go after Cambridge Analytica. Right. Um, so I, I, in terms of, of um, making an example <laughs> of someone, you know, right. I, I'm generally against wealthy people and organizations using the judicial system to punish other people. However, <laughs> uh, I, I see the point. I mean, Facebook... Facebook needs to needs to make it clear that this sort of um, behavior is not acceptable. But I think that kind of is a scapegoat from the bigger problem here. And is that and that's Facebook Facebook allowed such easy access to this data that I think a big a big step in the right direction would be fixing how easy it is to get this data. You know, I I I think that in the long term saying here's all this data and if you use it poorly we're going to sue you is not the right solution um, because if that's if that's the solution this is going to happen again and more people are just going to get sued and it might um, incentivize uh, applications to behave nicely but it doesn't actually prevent the problem from happening again right so I mean but you bring up an interesting point about about whether or not this uh, this data um, 
was was collected you know originally the reporting was that there was a data breach several publications went out of their way to say the words data breach then what happened was as as i'm sure you're aware that there were a couple facebook employees on twitter who came out including their chief security officer and said basically this was not a data breach um this is this is how you know uh it was a breach of trust is the term they're using um Hmm. How do you, how do you see it? I mean, was this a data breach or was this more was this more of a breach of trust? Trust. So I think in the literal sense of the term data breach, I would say yes, it does classify as a data breach. However, when when talking about this story and talking about what happened, I think using the phrase data breach does a disservice to people who are trying to understand the chain of events um, because there's connotations around around the term and like when we talk about data breach the the term data breach in the media today it's usually around the concept of hacking it's um you know we we talk about things like equifax and all of this personal information about basically everyone in the united states was stolen from equifax by hackers and stories around that use the term data breach um and what happened in Facebook, it's worth reiterating, this wasn't hacking. This was, this was uh, someone used Facebook as documented. They went and hooked into the Facebook API, the, the social graph, and they sucked out all of this information. And they handed it out to a third party, which was against the rules. Um, and, you know, whenever there's... Whenever someone gains access to data that they shouldn't have, in in this case that would be Cambridge Analytica gaining access to Kogan's data, um, is that in the literal sense a data breach? Sure, I would say yes, it it, it is. But I, I don't know if using the term data breach is helpful when talking about what actually happened here. And so yes, it was a breach a breach of trust, um, and. I think that when we're talking about, uh, you know, what happened and what solutions should be implemented going forward, we should be talking about this from a decision-making process, not a technical process. This wasn't, Facebook wasn't the victim here. No one broke into their system and stole everything. Uh, They made conscious decisions that ended up biting them mm. <laughs> and why why do you, why like why do you think that they that they originally when they rolled out this api that they gave such unfettered access to developers or in the first place i, I think there was a little bit of um a like a an optimistic view of the world mm-hmm. i think i think facebook's general idea um not not strictly speaking of their business uh their business policies but their their, the product and the appeal of it to regular people is that we're on this social network and we're sharing all this information about each other and it's great and fun and cool and look at all these things we can do. And I think originally Facebook uh, said, let's, let's expand that. Let's let applications hook into this and let people who are interested into the same things use Facebook to connect in other ways. And I think they, they had this this wonderful optimistic view of the world where if we just gave ev- if we made this data easy to access by other parties they will just create positive experiences and everyone will have a good time right. um, 
And I think either, I don't know if this was a business driven decision or like uh, a privacy driven decision, but in 2014, when they cut that access off, they clearly had a change of heart about all of that. Right. I, 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 this all leads me to have like two questions though about Facebook and, and not just about Facebook, but about Kogan and Cambridge Analytica. Um, so it, I have to wonder, and I don't know if we'll ever know the answer to this, but did Kogan build the app because he wanted to build the app just out of pure curiosity or did he build the app knowingly, uh, knowing that he was going to be giving some this data to Cambridge Analytica? I, I think that's an excellent question. Like, we're, um, you know, his intentions are kind of moot at this point, but yeah. you're right. I mean, was he trying to do bona fide academic research originally and then at some point in the future decided to uh, do something a little bit more nefarious than that? Or was this always his intention? And if this ever does move into um, some sort of civil civil case against either Cambridge Analytica or Kogan, uh, I imagine that will be a topic. Right. That, I, that, I would have to be, I would think. Yeah. What are the other, and, the, and the other question really comes at Facebook where, you know, cl- in 2014, we, we had talked about this, they, they, they started limiting access to users' data um, in 2014, well before the 2016 election. Um, uh, and like you just noted, you know, there's no, we don't have any rhyme or reason to, on our side that we know of as to why they made that decision to start locking it down. But clearly they must have been aware of something. Um, yeah, and and I think um, to that point, it's worth reiterating again that this wasn't simply something isolated to Kogan and Cambridge Analytica with right. this data. There, there's companies, you know, I guarantee Farmville was doing this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Zynga, Zynga, don't sue me. I can't actually guarantee that, but I bet, I bet. Farmville was doing something like this as well, and and every other application that someone hooked into, and so um, Facebook clearly had some concern. Again, I don't know if it was about uh, a business model decision that they they made to that maybe they thought they could they could capitalize on not sharing this data, or if they were actually concerned about privacy. I I don't know. Right, and I mean, while uh, even even let's just I mean e- either way though. You would think that, and this is what this is where we're going to get to, what Zuck had came out and said uh, in, in just a second. But basically, in 2014, they decided to limit access to this this data uh, for developers. And yet, while they made the API changes, which are, as you pointed out, a technical uh, change, they didn't actually go all the way and implement some of the things that Zuck just mentioned that they're going to start implementing um which we're going to get to now but let me just point out before all this it took zuck five full days before he came out and said anything and uh, about this about this whole situation and he wrote he wrote this 937 word you know statement in a facebook post um and i'm just yeah what do you like? Did he take way too long to address this? Like, I personally <laughs> think he did. Absolutely, he should have. He should have had a statement out within twenty four hours. Yeah, um, there's 
like I get it. You you need to bring your PR folks in and your lawyers in and make sure you get this right. But five days is way too long. Twenty four hours is like the maximum window, in my opinion, of of silence. <laughs> and yeah. so I I don't know if if he thought maybe he thought the story like we live in a news cycle. Maybe he thought Trump days. would do something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we live in a news cycle these days where nothing nothing is sticky. By, by the time you're mad about one story, there's a new story to be mad about. So maybe they thought this would just die down after after a day or two, and he thought he could wait it out. I don't know. I don't know what decision process came in there. Maybe he just didn't think it was that important until the stock started taking a major hit in the days yeah. that followed. Um, but but the, I, the real issue to me is like, in the past, I mean, he said this is he. This is something Zuck said in the past year. People trust people, not institutions. And Zuck has gone out of his way um, since since starting Facebook to really be the face of Facebook. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he took five days to address uh, this, and they've lost they lost billions and billions of dollars in uh, market cap. You know, before before he actually came out and said something. And by the way, nor nor did Sheryl Sandberg, who's the COO of Facebook. She didn't say anything either. Right. Until, uh, right. So, you know, I, I, like, what are we supposed to think when they when they come out and then they they uh, Zuck makes a statement saying, you know, they're going to they're going to investigate um, any app that had access to that amount of like that was created that had that uh, that access to the data prior to 2014 um and he says how you know they're gonna they're basically gonna do a complete audit of any suspicious looking apps and they're gonna ban people who don't abide um you know to the audit and don't or aren't using the the data in the an appropriate way um but is if at that point, is it too little, too late? I mean, are we at a point where, where it's concerning that there could there could be all these apps that have gathered all this data on Facebook people, Facebook users, and they could have already sold it to the highest bidder um, by this point. Sure, they could have already sold it, or they could be using it for their own um, business business incentives. Um, right. So, is it too little, too late? Um, yes. However, Facebook should still do it. Um, you know, if, if they're going to, if they're going to make new policies that are aimed at protecting, uh, users, privacy and users data, um, even if it's too late to fix the problem, they should still do it so that it doesn't proliferate farther. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think this is, this is, this wades into a larger conversation about Facebook in general and, and, you know, I think the the concern applies to other tech companies as well that have a lot of data about a lot of people. Um, right. The difference is though that, like Google is not doesn't have an op- an open API that you can just pull or query um, users' data. As far as I know, exactly. That's Facebook yeah. does. Right. And so I think there was, I think the decision from Facebook in the early days of the API to make this data available was clearly a bad decision. Um, And so 
at least from a data privacy perspective, I don't know if this helped them make money. <laughs> it probably <laughs> did. But from a privacy perspective, this this was a bad decision. And so I don't, I don't know how you unwind it. I don't think you can. I don't think it's possible to go out to all of the third parties out there in the world and and be confident that one, they'll even talk to you, but two, that if you ask them to delete the data, they would. Um, and I suspect some of the larger organizations that have this data might even have a, a legal standing to say no. Um, right. You know, right. if that, that was, the, uh, yeah. If at the time Facebook said, "Here's this data, and we'll we'll give it to you, and as long as you'd agree to these terms," I suspect there's going to be organizations out there that said, "Look, we agreed to your terms. Go away." So. Right. Uh, I mean, that, and that, and that's also interest, an interesting point you bring up. And I, I have a question from 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 a developer's perspective. Right. Let's say, um, I installed an app like Kogan's uh, in 2012 or 2013 or, or even before that. Right. Mm -hmm. I have the app still installed on my Facebook account. Okay. Um, does that developer still have access. What, what they they still have the same access that they had back then, right? And they could still see anytime I like something new or a friend likes something new because they have the permissions from before. I, I don't. I actually don't believe so. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. So Facebook made this change in 2014, and they they had a they had a slow rollout to the change. They they basically sent. I, I remember this at the time as well. Is they reached out to developers and they said. Look, you're using you're using a feature of the API that we're about to turn off, and you have this amount of time to change your app however you see fit, given these new limitations. Um, so there was a grace period where they they rolled out a new version of the API that was much more restrictive, and then over a, over a window of time, they turned off the old version. So if today I I used my application that had these permissions and tried to do the same actions I did in 2012. I wouldn't be able to. Okay, well that's 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 good to know. That's kind of reassuring, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I know, I know another thing that Zuck also pointed out in his in his statement was that um, you know they're going to remove access um, developers' access to your data if you haven't used their app in three months. I'm curious, um, from as a, as a developer on your you know on your end, uh, is three months a fair amount of time, or is that too little? I mean, I think I think there will be um, tech companies out there and app developers who are going to be very upset about that. I think um, if you're if you're an application that doesn't get daily use but gets occasional use maybe i don't know maybe maybe there's genuine applications out there where someone only logs in twice a year like for those applications it's going to it's going to be a pain it's going to be mm -hmm. a problem for those applications um, but on the other side of things that still might be too much time uh, yeah. if i'm if i'm trying to again, profile you and, and give you, let's say, like a political score based on information I can glean about you, I don't need three months. I need about 10 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> and so, 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 how, so how would you approach this? Like what, what, what changes would you think, do you think need to be made 
um, to to the API to just the overall policy. So I, I think what Facebook did in 2014 was a was the biggest correct step in that they they limited how much of your friends' information you could bring with you when you authenticated with an application. Um, and so like I think that that and that in and of itself was extremely important and they did it and frankly they should have done this from day one but you know we are where we are Mm -hmm. um it it gets interesting when you talk about just your data when you authenticate with um with an application um so when if i if i authenticate with your application with my facebook account um technically i'm consenting to handing over all of this data i agreed to the Facebook terms of services, and if I had sat down and read them and given it thought, and then Wikipedia'd all the technical jargon that was <laughs> in it, I could probably understand. Okay, if I ever authenticate with a third-party app, they're going to learn all of this information about me. In the real world, <laughs> no one reads the terms of services, and if they did, it doesn't mean they'd understand it. And um, there's been some pretty interesting writing uh, in the past couple years about the concept of a, a terms of services are kind of farcical in, in, in regards to informing users about what's going to happen. Um, and so I, I think it's absolutely unreasonable to think that the one billion Facebook users out there are going to understand what happens when they log into another app with their Facebook account. Um, you know, you download some new, you find a new application on product hunt and it looks cool. And you, you go to the app store and you download it and you click log in with Facebook and you're playing a new game or whatever you're doing. And I don't think anyone is thinking about what that actually means. So, uh, our, 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 our chat app at Kaya was completely Facebook login. We, we actually didn't even offer anything else when, when we released it. And a lot of developers do that because uh, from a developer standpoint, creating uh, the concept of an account and storing passwords and doing password resets and things like that, it's a lot of work. It's hard. It's a lot of work. It's easy to mess up. And Facebook actually makes makes it really easy for third-party developers to not have to create their own auth mechanism. They say, hey, drop this Facebook button in voila, people are authenticated and you're good to go. So from not only from a, a desire to acquire data standpoint, but just simply from an ease of development standpoint, Facebook Auth makes, makes this really easy. And I think that's why you see apps like Kaya or other apps that are very new that are trying to just get off the ground and get users, they offer Facebook login because it's, it's easy. Right. The, that, that, which brings me to the next kind of question I have for you, which is, do you think this, this is going to impact uh, developers um, kind of want to, who want to implement the Facebook uh, login into their apps? I think this will have an impact. So I'm interested to see what, what changes Facebook actually makes. Um, you know, Zuckerberg mentioned that if someone hasn't used your application in three months or so, that they were going to cut off your access to data. But I don't quite understand right now, does that mean they'll also cut off just the auth mechanism? Like, 
I, I, yeah, that's a good question. I also don't, I also don't know. Does that mean they're going to cut off new access to data or you get to keep the stuff that you previously were authorized for, or do you know? The right. To it? I don't, I, I mean, as far as what Facebook's planning, I mean, the, they haven't said a whole lot yet, you yeah, know, right. Zuckerberg's kind of given interviews and, um, has said like, okay, this is the changes we're going to make. But from a technical perspective, uh, it remains to be seen. One, do they even follow through? And two, um, technically, what what is that? What is that going to mean? And I, I don't know if we can answer that until the policies are in place and developers start seeing what impact is they ultimately uh, put on app developers. Right. So, do you? I mean, as a developer, do you trust Zuckerberg right now or no? As a developer, yeah, um, <laughs> that is a huge question. Do I trust? <laughs> do I trust him in what sense? Do you do you trust him that he? Okay, let's put it this perspective. Do you trust him if you were if you were had an app or a company that had you know an app or whatever? Do you trust that he is going to make the right decision and it won't negative negatively impact your company or app? Um, in any way, or at least like kill you. <laughs> so my my answer to that is no, um, but I'll also say my answer to that would have been no last year or mm -hmm. at any point when you ask me. I think if your application or business is dependent on another company um, keeping things in your interest, you're doomed to fail. That's a very uh, good point. That's, I think that's, that, that's 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 a point I often make, and I'm surprised, you know, um, how many companies just don't that that just do that. Like they actually, they're so dependent on one source of revenue or or one particular platform or something like that. Um, so. ex exactly. I mean, so like an example with Facebook is in 2014, they they cut off the amount of data you could collect, and that almost certainly negatively impacted the businesses of other other smaller tech companies. Um, right. And Facebook's not the only company that does this. And once upon a time, Netflix had an API. And there were companies that would try to be better than Netflix at recommending TV shows and movies to you. And um, I believe it was in 2013 or 2014, Netflix was basically like, we don't have an API anymore. Like we're, we're not gaining anything from this <laughs> and, and companies shut down because of it, because they, they, they built their entire business model on the assumption that, um, Netflix they would have a free open up free and open API. Exactly. And so yeah. if I'm, if I'm a software developer or if I'm a startup CEO, um, and I've built my business around access to Facebook data, um, I think one, I've already made a mistake. This would have been a mistake from the get go. But even now, now that this is getting media attention and pressure from investors, but also just the general public, I would be I would be particularly worried about the future of my business. Right. No, I, I I'm with you on that. So before we get to the regulations that I want, uh, some well, whether Facebook should be regulated or not, uh, just this morning, uh, I know we had talked about this shortly before we started recording, Zuck and Co. Um, had uh, 
printed in actual print newspapers newspaper apologies to people um which like in the new york times and and and, and some other uh newspapers as well including some including one in uh britain um and, and i'll read it real quick so it says we have a responsibility to protect your information if we can't we don't deserve it and that's in big bold text up at the top and it says you may have heard about a quiz app built by a university researcher that leaked data of millions of people in 2014. This was a breach of trust. There we go, breach of trust again. And I'm sorry we didn't do more at the time. We're now taking steps to make sure this doesn't happen again. We've already stopped apps like this from getting so much information. Now we're limiting the data that apps get when you sign in using Facebook. We're also investigating every single app that had access to large amounts of data before we fix this. We expect there are others. And when we find them, we will ban them and tell everyone affected. Finally, we'll remind you which apps you've, been, you've given access to your information so you can shut off the ones you don't want anymore. Thank you for believing in this community. I promise to do better for you. Signed, Mark Zuckerberg. So I know you said to me that you were rolling your eyes when you read this. What, what, was, your, what was your reaction? Um, well, I think this this letter that was published in all of these newspapers and if i'm if i have this correctly it was the new york times the wall street journal the washington post and a bunch of papers in the united kingdom um this to me feels the fact that they did this so broadly and in, in newspapers this feels to me like a pr stunt um i always feel like when they go to the the print newspaper it's a pr stunt it always is yeah, I mean, especially these days, like, <laughs> yeah, I like we're talking about it because it's weird, right? right? It's weird that this was done in print, that this tech company that has the big, like, pr arguably the biggest audience in the world <laughs> went to the dying industry of print journalism to make a statement. It, it feels like they said, oh, this will, this will catch people's attention and all the newspapers are gonna talk, they're gonna write articles about the ad we paid to take out in right. their paper. And so this feels like a big PR stunt. You wanna, um, know, you wanna know what Facebook should have done if they were, if I felt, if I, you know, if, I, if they were being sincere about it. I mean, I, I mean I'm sure they, they, they tr they're trying to be sincere about it. I'm, I don't think they have bad intentions, but if they seriously, wanted to do something to make a, a real positive impact and like really grab people's attention, that letter they, that I just read from, from whatever newspaper it was in should be in the top of my newsfeed right now. Oh yeah, send a push notification to every Facebook user. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, it, it, that's, I, I just don't understand how, how anyone would believe that doing this in, in the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal um, was an effective way to put out a heartfelt message. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't either, honestly. I, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't think it was the, the right medium, if you will. I really <laughs> think that they should have put it at the top of, of, of everyone's Facebook newsfeed. Like that, that, like that's where a message like that belongs, not in some print newspaper that only my, my grandparents read. And I, I think the other point here that I was rolling my eyes about is 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 this the the big bold letters at the top of this of this statement we have a responsibility to protect your information if yeah, well, we already failed at that <laughs> well yeah. so I I agree 
they have an ethical responsibility to protect my information. And, and as they said, if they can't, they don't deserve it. Um, but it's worth pointing out, and um, Matt Iglesias, who's a, who's a writer for Vox, he, he tweeted this this morning. He said, they have no legal responsibility to protect our information. Legally, they don't. And Facebook and other tech giants actively fight to keep it that way. Um, the tech tech has a pretty strong lobbying presence in DC, and they make it they they constantly fight for for or against legislation such that it will benefit their business models. Right. Um, and but so, then again, what company doesn't? What what large corporations don't do that? But yes. Well, uh, yes, this isn't unique to tech companies, right. but the fact just in knowing that they actively work to absolve themselves of legal responsibilities is what makes me roll my eyes when they say we have a responsibility. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I get that. And so I, I think that, uh, yes, they have an ethical responsibility to do it. But in, in my mind, if they're working against a legal responsibility, that that's their business incentives are never going to fall on the side of ethics when legally they have a way out. Right. So last thing I want to discuss with you um, is regulation. Should And I'm just going to put it flat out, yes or no, Facebook should be regulated? Yes. And any, any, any thoughts in terms of what kind of regulation we're talking about here? So... Um... You know re what regulations? That's that you could probably write a twelve hundred page white paper <laughs> on it. But um, I think something that's something interesting that's going on in Europe right now is the rollout of the general data protection regulation. Right, right. GDPR. And Explain this, that briefly, because for 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 people who don't live in Europe and aren't familiar with it. Yeah. So GDPR is a regulation that was adopted by the European Union. Um, in April of 2016, and it is set to go into effect on um, May 25th of this year. So it's coming up pretty quickly here. And GDPR is essentially um, a large regulation that uh, controls what kind of data tech companies can have about their, their European users and what they can do with that data. Um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of specifics in the regulation um, that vary from you know what kind of data can you collect, where does the data live? Um, so there, there's regulations about if, if if data is acquired on European users, some of it has to live in data centers in Europe, um, which is which is interesting. Um, but in terms of like the 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 topics we're discussing today about Facebook, um, there's a clause in GDPR that um, is known as the right of erasure. And essentially that is a right for under, under given circumstances, a user of your service can contact you and say, I want you to delete everything you have about me. And the service has to do it again under certain circumstances. Um, that are defined in the regulation. And so I think that's a very interesting, an interesting right that Europeans are about to have. Mm -hmm. um, and so is GDPR the solution? 
it remains to be seen. Um, I, I'll be interested in the coming years how how this changes um, the the business models of these companies that operate in Europe, but also do European citizens actually start seeing noticeable uh, benefits from the from the regulation? I, I, I think this GDPR is something that we should watch carefully, and if it if it looks like it's having a net positive impact. I think the the United States should try to implement something similar to it. Um, mm. I'm just, I, I'm, I, I, I agree with you on that. I think that that's that makes I think that that would make sense. But coming at it from a business perspective, uh, I'm just going to throw this out there. I, I I'd be I I you know if I was Google or Facebook or whatever company that also obviously has a European presence. Um, I would if if I I would be studying this closely to see how it impacted the bottom line if at all, <laughs> and if it had any impact on the bottom line in Europe, negatively, I you could bet for sure you, you know that 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 I would be um, sending my my lobby my lobbyists and lawyers to DC to fight like hell uh, to make sure a law like that didn't get in uh, in, in in the books in in, in America. Absolutely. I, and I, I absolutely believe they already are. I'm yeah. sure I, I don't, I, I don't know the history of the passage of D- GDPR well enough to know, but I, I would bet that their, their legal and lobbying team in Europe fought this. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I would suspect that they did. Um, and so I agree. I, and I think at Facebook and Google and all of the other tech companies do this today. They have, they have lobbying presence in DC. And whenever the question of um, regulation on the industry comes up, they, they're in the room and fighting against it. Um, but I, I, in, from my perspective, just because it would hurt their bottom line isn't a good enough reason for me to, me personally to be against regulation. Um, yeah, I, I get that. <laughs> no, no, I, I, yeah, I, I, I think most most consumers, you know, end users of the product would agree with you, if not all. You know, if it if it if it improves, you know, if it improves your data privacy, um, then you know, what do you care whether they make two cents less? You're, you know, well, and uh, and you look at other industries that are regulated, and it's and it's vast. Um, but when you look at industries that are regulated on on the terms of data. The two that come to mind for me are the medical industry, which has HIPAA, mm-hmm. and um, the education industry, which has uh, FERPA. Um, these are two um, pieces of regulation that basically uh, limit what these organizations can do with your data, and they have strict rules on how the data is stored. And if if you violate this, you're in a lot of trouble. And yes, I guarantee HIPAA has a negative impact on the bottom line of hospitals and mm-hmm. of pharmaceutical companies and of health insurance companies. And I guarantee that FERPA is a big expense to colleges and universities around the country. Um, but I would still argue that it's a net benefit to society in general that we have them. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that, absolutely. I uh I do think that you know there needs to be some kind of regulation in place here. Just like I had um David Drake, uh, who is the chairman at LDJ Capital, who is a longtime investor, um, and been investing a lot in crypto uh, recently. Uh, he was he was actually uh, one of the guys who 
uh, and you should listen to the episode, it was episode 11, um, who, who was responsible for getting the Jobs Act uh, through. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, so, and he, and he believes that regulation should be, should come to crypto as well. Um, but yeah, we had, we had a whole discussion on that last time, but I, I, I think, I, I'm, I, know, I, I think regulation is, a, is, is not a bad thing, um, necessarily, especially when it benefits the consumer, um, you know, when the goal, when, the, when that's the ultimate goal to protect, to protect people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Matt, I, 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 uh, there's been a lot to discuss here. Uh, I think the whole Facebook Cambridge Analytica thing is, is, you know, I think there's a lot that's that's been reported. Um, I think that there's a lot to kind of digest and and see where we go from here. Ideally, Facebook makes the right decisions policy-wise and technical, technically-wise. Um, and from a technical perspective, you know, just making sure that they they execute on protecting our data and you know making sure that it's the API is locked down in a way that. Um, that rogue developers, malicious people with malicious intent can't, you know, access data that and then use it or sell it in a way that uh, would be negatively impact the user base. And as we know, Facebook has over 2 billion users. That's a lot of people to upset, to upset. Um, so any parting words, Matt, anything that you, uh, you can think, anything you think that you would like to kind of just end on? I would just say that uh, people should watch what Facebook does here in the very short term, um, it'll say a lot about their incentives and how reactionary versus um, altruistic they're trying to be here. Um, Zuckerberg has come out and he's made made statements about being better. We talked about these ads that he's taken out and the interviews he's given. I, I, I'm interested to see if and how Facebook follows through. Um, I'm sure there will be some changes and I'm sure they will be accompanied by much pomp and circumstance so that Facebook can say, look, we're doing the right thing. But I think it's important to stay vigilant on this and sorry, vigilant on this. (laughs) And, um, uh, people, journalists, tech, tech savvy folks and average users need to just remain educated on, on when they, when they use these companies like Facebook and Google, what kind of data they're handing over and where it's going. Um, This conversation should not stop when, when the Cambridge Analytica story dies down. This is something that um, is part of our digital lives now, not just Facebook, but in any service we use and people need to be, be conscious about how they're using it, what information they're handing out and just know that it's probably going to be shared in some capacity. Um, anonymized or not right and, and people need to stay aware yeah and i and i just realized one thing and i want to bring it up before we end here in the in the in the apology letter uh printed in in the in the newspaper um they this paragraph just i just caught my attention again we're also investigating every single app that had access to large amounts of data before we fix this and then it goes on to say we expect there are others. So do you think there's another shoe to drop here? Or do you think that they're just covering their ass? I mean, I agree that there are certainly other applications that pulled in all of this data. Um, as I said before, I think what's, what's, what's interesting about the Cambridge Analytica situation is 
um, the fact that the terms of service was was violated outside of Facebook's walled garden. So the data was handed the data was handed out in in a way that is beyond Facebook's control. And I'm I'm curious how is Facebook going to discover that in other situations? Yeah. How are they how are they going to learn whether a developer gave this data to another third party? I, I don't right, unless I, there's another whistleblower that comes forward. Right. So I have no idea how they're going, how they could possibly investigate it from that angle. Um, but I also suspect that if something comes forward, let's say a major retailer did the exact same thing as Kogan and not handed it out to a third party, but sucked in all of this data and learned a lot of information about both you and all of your friends. I don't think the public outcry is going to be as strong. Um, Honestly, I, I just don't. I, well, I they, think they, they, they would be following. They would. They wouldn't have broke ter the terms of service uh, policy, uh, the, the developer policies either. At that point, they right. would not have. That's correct. Right. But I, I think the general public um, is currently outraged that the API to learn that the API allowed this. I think yeah. most people didn't know this, and upon learning it, they are upset. Um, whether it was a terms of service violation or not. Um, and so I think if something happens where like say a, a ma it's, it's publicized that a major retailer did the exact same thing within the confides of the terms of service, um, I think people are not going to care so much because it doesn't include the words Donald Trump. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I really think that, that this story blew up because there are such strong emotions about our current president and I think that people don't have similar strong emotions about uh, Walmart, for example. Yeah, <laughs> I just I just don't. And um, I think that when when it comes to light that other other organizations, such as corporations, did this as well, uh, I don't think people are going to care as much because they just aren't as emotionally invested in the subject. Mm -hmm. Well, Matt, I appreciate you, you taking the time and uh, being on this episode of Techie Bytes. It's been a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it's been great. If uh, if anyone wants to be able to find you online, you're I know you're prolific on Twitter. You've been featured <laughs> on Reddit several times with your tweets. <laughs> Where can they find you? Yeah, I'm at HodgesMR on Twitter. Um, that's probably the best place to get in contact with me. Awesome. Well, thanks, Matt. I appreciate you being on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Techie Bites. Stay tuned for more episodes every Tuesday with awesome interviews and conversations about technology and business. If you like what we're doing, please consider supporting the podcast at anchor.fm slash besttechie and or by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. Both ways help us greatly and are much appreciated. So thank you. Until next time, we'll see you. And remember, remember, take care of your computers.